Welcome to European True Crime. I'm your host, Lisa. As always, you can find images from today's case on our Instagram, EuroTrueCrime. Transcripts and source notes are available on our website, europeantruecrimepodcast.com. Today's episode takes us to France, into Pont de Beaufoussant, a village in Chambéry, an alpine town in southeast France. The Alps are the highest and most extensive mountain range system that lies entirely in Europe, stretching approximately 1,200 kilometers across eight countries, namely France, Switzerland, Monaco, Italy, Liechtenstein, Austria, Germany, and Slovenia. On Saturday, the 26th of August, 2017, eight-year-old Maëlise de Orojo was attending the wedding of her mother's cousin in Pont de Beauvoisin, along with the rest of her family. Earlier in the day, her mother had taken her to the hairdresser, where she had her hair pinned back and styled into delicate ringlets, showing off her bright and joyful face. She wore the white sleeveless dress she had picked out and was incredibly excited for all of the festivities and to play with the other children attending the event. Although there were 180 guests in attendance, it was considered an intimate affair, with all of the guests being close family and friends of the bride and the groom. It had been a beautiful ceremony and everyone was having a great time at the wedding reception, which was held in a private event hall in the beautiful mountainous area surrounded by nature. Many among the guests had children, so a babysitter had been arranged for the night of the event, and a play area was set up in an adjacent room. As the celebrations continued into the early morning of Sunday the 27th, the babysitter's shift was coming to an end. At 1.30am, she had the DJ announce that she would be leaving, so the children would no longer have a dedicated supervisor. The children at the event were still happily playing amongst themselves, and the event was being held in a secure and gated area, so the parents didn't feel that they needed to watch them like hawks. At 2.45am, Maëlise's grandmother noticed the absence of the girl. She began to look around for her inside the venue, but couldn't find her. She spoke to the DJ, and he made an announcement over the music that if anyone could see Maëlise, to ask her to return to her grandmother who was looking for her. Maëlise's family continued to search high and low for her in and around the venue, assuming the girl might have fallen asleep somewhere in one of the rooms. The DJ made a second announcement, and with still no luck finding her, he then made a third announcement at 3am, turning off the music and turning on all of the lights, asking everyone to stop what they were doing and join in on the search for little Maëlise. The guests searched inside the building and also outside in the parking lot and on the venue's grounds. There was no way Maëlise could have wandered off of the gated premises and everyone thought it was very unlikely that she would have gone off into the surrounding forest area of the property by herself in the dark. Eventually, the police were called, and they arrived at around 4am with bloodhounds in tow. Police began to interview all of the guests, and understanding the seriousness of the situation, additional officers were called to come to the scene to help with the search. The bloodhounds used a blanket and cuddly toy of Maëlise's to pick up her scent, which they followed from inside the party hall out into the parking lot, where it suddenly ended, leaving investigators to suspect that she had gotten into a car, but it was too soon to know for sure, and they needed to be thorough. 
With the sun beginning to rise, police officers began to search the surrounding woodland area, gradually extending their search radius and having divers search a river located 500 meters away. Helicopters were also called in, and in total around 100 officers, firefighters and volunteers responded to the scene to aid in the search for the missing young girl. However, there was no trace of her anywhere. At the same time as the police were preparing to begin their search, in a forest 20 kilometers east of pont de beauvoisin a man descends a steep overgrown slope towards the river below. He is shielded by the darkness of the early morning. Over his shoulder, he carries the lifeless Le Petit Maëlise. He dumps her bloody and broken body to the ground against a large rock, and climbs back up and makes his way back to the narrow dirt road where his Audi A3 is idling, guided by the lights of the car. This is the second time in five months that this 34-year-old man has discarded the remains of an innocent victim in the wilderness. Around the same time on the morning of April 12th, he left 23-year-old Aton in a pass in the Savoie region, whom he had just beaten to death. From the road above, he rolled his corpse behind the brush and bushes. Back at the venue, the long process of questioning all of the 180 guests who attended the wedding the day before was underway. They recalled the events of the night before and their last sightings of Maya-Lise. She had been full of energy, playing games with her friends and spinning around the dance floor barefoot, enjoying the rare occasion of celebrating into the early hours. Throughout the day of extensive interviewing, some recall having seen Maya-Lise with a man upon occasion. He made conversation with her from time to time, and he showed her pictures of his dogs on his phone. Maya-Lise loved animals, and she would think anyone who loved animals was trustworthy. This man was Nordel Lelandais, a former soldier and friend of the groom who had received a last-minute invite to the reception and had attended with the intention of selling drugs to some of the guests. A few of the guests mentioned Lelande exhibiting various strange behaviours. They spoke of how he had disappeared a few times during the night, how they had seen him paying a little too much attention to Maëlise, and how when people had stopped to look for her, he was the only one who didn't help. He had sat around looking bored and completely uninterested, only getting up once to go to the bathrooms to vomit. Then, when the police were called, he chose to leave before they could arrive to secure the area and interview all of them. Maëlise's mother had also noticed Lelande giving the young girl a lot of attention and had heard Maëlise call him Tonton Nodel, Tonton meaning uncle, a child's term reserved solely for family or occasionally for incredibly close family friends, which Lelande was not. He was a stranger to her. Later, they would come to believe that he had introduced himself to her as her uncle in an attempt to gain her trust. Lelande's behaviour, which had merely seemed a bit odd the night before, would soon seem far more sinister. Nordel Lelande was born on the 18th of February, 1983. From a young age, people noticed that he appeared to have mythomaniac tendencies and he lied compulsively. After failing to complete his secondary education, he joined the military in 2002, where he became a dog handler, until 2005 when he was discharged due to psychological disorders. He then returned to his family home in Domesson, 
where he unsuccessfully launched his own dog training business. After that failed, he did some various small jobs and temporary assignments, while also doing a bit of dealing on the side. In 2017, he was living with his parents, a very short distance away from where the wedding was being held. At this point in time, his criminal history only consisted of non-violent offences, such as breaking and entering and vandalism from when he burned a snack bar to the ground after breaking into it to steal alcohol. Police first questioned Lelonde that Sunday afternoon. At this stage, he was just another guest at the party among the others, questioned for information about the evening. He appeared cool, calm and collected. No, he doesn't know her. He hasn't particularly spoken with Maylise. He only saw her with the other children. He admits to leaving multiple times during the night to get more cocaine for the party and wants to go home to change his shorts as he had spilled red wine on them. An hour after his interview, he heads to the other side of town to the Leclerc service station where he thoroughly cleans his car. With all of the wedding guests' interviews completed, police begin to investigate Lelonde as well as another unnamed man while carrying on the search for Maylise in parallel. In order to leave no stone unturned, they also interviewed 70 other people who had been attending social events nearby on the night of the disappearance. By Monday, the following day, the media had picked up on the story and Maylise's photo and description were spread nationwide, appealing for anyone to come forward if they had any information. The local community got involved, helping in the search and distributing missing persons posters. Everyone in France knew about Maëlise's disappearance, but very early on, it was merely considered just that, a disappearance, with police and detectives keeping their investigation completely to themselves, it would take a few days before the suspicion of a third party's involvement would become widely known. Also on this Monday, Lelandais cancelled his main cell phone subscription and the associated phone number. However, detectives are already aware that he has two numbers. They retrace his steps and find the CCTV footage from Leclerc where he had cleaned his car the day before. The footage shows Lelandais aggressively cleaning his car for one hour and 44 minutes, mainly focusing on the passenger side of the car and the trunk. All of the disposable wipes, products and tools that he uses are placed in a plastic bag that he takes back with him instead of disposing of them in the designated area of the car washing facility. Police travel to Lelande's home in Domessant and confront him with the CCTV footage and present him with a warrant for the car, taking it away to be tested. Lelande said that he was cleaning the grey Audi A3 as he was planning on selling it and wanted it to look good for the prospective buyer. It was confirmed that the car had been listed for sale and that he had had an interested buyer, but the degree to which Lelande was cleaning the car was excessive and suspicious. The chemicals used were also not those that would be used to freshen up a car and make it appealing. He had used strong, pungent and potentially damaging chemicals such as bleach and paint stripper. In fact, when the impounded car arrived to be tested, the sniffer dogs that initially searched it were so affected by the chemicals that two of them fell ill afterwards. 
It was believed that Lelonde knew that the chemicals would confuse the dogs and make them sick due to his history of training them in the army and his subsequent failed business. A doctor examined Lelonde and found that he had scratches across one shoulder, one leg and one hand. He justified these scratches by claiming that he had injured himself on the thorns of some raspberry bushes while gardening. However, his mother claims he has never shown an interest in gardening before, and she certainly hadn't seen him gardening recently. When police examine his phone's activity on the night of the disappearance, they see that at around 2.45am, the same time Maelisa's absence was first noted, Lelande's phone goes into airplane mode while still at the venue. Then, at around 3.30am, his phone comes out of airplane mode, still showing the location of the wedding reception hall. Then, at around 4am, it goes back into airplane mode until around 7am, where once the phone connects again, it now shows that he is back at home. Police analysed Lelande's typical phone use and found that he had a minimal history of using the airplane mode feature before. On Thursday, the 31st of August, Lelande was taken into custody. He doesn't say much more, except that Maylise had asked him to see his dogs, and that she had gone out to the parking lot to see if the dogs were in his car. The Audi A3 is seized again, along with his computer. Without enough concrete evidence, the police don't have enough to charge him with any crime, so they are forced to release him the following day while experts analyse the seized items for evidence. At the same time, the search for Maylise continues without results. Her parents made multiple media appearances appealing for their daughter to be returned to them, and her portrait is plastered everywhere, on shop windows, the pylons of traffic signs, the crossroads of hiking trails. Four and a half years later, there are still some of these posters left in the area, which are slowly disintegrating where they have been laid. The morning of the 3rd of September 2017 is the last time that Lelande will wake up a free man. A few hours later, he was arrested, charged with kidnapping, and his name released to the media. The analysts' ongoing endeavours to find evidence had already proved fruitful, giving detectives what they needed to hold him and were ready to confront him with the evidence, hoping he would finally lead them to Miley's. Lelande is confronted with the first discovery. Analysts were able to find Miley's genetic profile on the dashboard of the car, specifically on the dial that controls the car's headlights. His events of the night evolve again, and for the first time he says that Miley's hadn't just peered into the car to see if the dogs were in there, but that she and another blonde boy had gone out to the car and let themselves in to look for the dogs. He continued to deny any involvement in her disappearance, and so he was taken from the interrogation room and introduced to the jail cell, which will become his home for the foreseeable future. Detectives continue gradually processing and gathering evidence, all while Lelande continues to claim his innocence. They seize the footage from all the CCTV cameras between the wedding venue and Lelande's home. It is from this footage that an infamous image in the case emerges. A car similar to his, with a small person dressed in white in the passenger seat, was recorded by the camera of the town hall of Pont de Beauvaisin at 2.47am, heading down the road in the direction of Domesson, where his home was. 
This footage was recorded exactly one minute after Lelonde neutralized his phone. Investigators analyze the image and are certain that this car in the image is Lelonde's Audi A3 and believe that the white silhouette in the passenger seat is Le Petit Maillis, whose absence was about to be noticed in the reception hall. The vehicle's return was also recorded at the same location at 3.24am and at 3.26am, Lelonde's phone would become active again near the venue. At 3.56am, the phone is switched off again and the Audi A3 goes back for the last time passing in front of the Pont de Beauvoir camera towards Domesson. Two bizarre round trips for unknown reason while the village hall is looking for the missing girl. When questioned on the 30th of November, Nordel Lelondet was shown the images from the footage, but he claimed that he did not recognize his car and that he could not see the silhouette of a child in the passenger seat that investigators pointed out. The cancellation of his phone service the day after the disappearance? Network failures. The aggressive cleaning of his car? To prepare for it to be sold. Leaving the venue without telling anyone? To change his shorts that were stained with red wine? He will not budge. He continues to claim that he has nothing to do with the disappearance of the little girl, despite the mounting evidence. Over two months since the disappearance of Maylise, Detectives now believed that her life had ended that night. They changed the charges against Lelonde to forcible confinement, kidnapping and murder of a minor. The media storm around Nordel Lelonde turned into a hurricane when just before Christmas, on the 18th of December 2017, the infamous suspect in the Mayalese case was also linked to the death of a soldier from Chambéry, who disappeared between the 11th and 12th of April. A skull was found in a forest in Cruet, between Chambéry and Albertville, on the 7th of September, three months earlier, and identified to be that of Otto Neuer. A connection was made when once again, Lelonde's Audi A3, a car local investigators were now very familiar with, was recognised and identified on CCTV footage recorded by a camera in Chambéry as the vehicle that picked up the hitchhiking Otto Neuer. Investigators retrieved the information of both men's phone on the night of Corporal Neuer's disappearance and found that the phones followed the same trajectory along the road between Chambéry and Saint-Bordoff, a town on the outskirts, at the same place at the same time. Upon reaching Saint-Bordoff, both of the phones had then stopped transmitting and were disconnected from the network. Once again, Lelonde denies any involvement whatsoever. But he then changes his mind and confirms that it is his Audi spotted on the footage, and that he had indeed given the soldier a lift, but that he had dropped him off at Saint-Bordoff and had played no role in his death. Nevertheless, he is charged with the murder of Artenoia. On the 8th of February 2018, Lelonde was dealt the final blow when detectives confront him with the results of further tests on his car. Investigators had taken the car apart piece by piece and tested every surface. Underneath the carpet in the trunk was a tiny brown trace found in a piece of trim. The sample tested positively for blood and it yielded a genetic profile that matched that of Maylise. 
Lelande understood that the game was over and he had lost. He was asked if he knew where Miley's was and he replied yes. A week later, on the 14th of February, Lelande admitted for the first time that he had killed Miley's. He stated that while they had been driving, she had started to cry and asked to be returned back to her parents at the wedding venue, and that Lelande had panicked, punching her three to four times in the face, and that that had unintentionally caused her death. It is unimaginable how a Thai boxing athlete and former soldier of over 1.8 meters and 80 kilos could deliver such powerful blows to Maya Lee's, a child of 1.3 meters and 28 kilos, and call the outcome of her death involuntary. He then initially dumped her body near his home before returning to the party to find that the guests had already begun a rigorous search of the grounds for the missing girl. Thirty minutes later, he left again to move Maya Lee's to the remote area of the forest where she would remain for the subsequent months. The same day, through his lawyer, Lelande agrees to reveal the location where he abandoned Maya Lee's remains. A long line of escort vehicles follows the prison van holding the murderer as they drive up into the mountainous region under his discretion, a snowplow clearing part of the way for them. They stop along the desolate dirt road when Lelande indicates that they need to travel the rest of the way on foot. He is handcuffed with a leash attached to his wrists as he leads them downhill into the dense underbrush towards the stream and the large rock where he left her. In the hours that followed, the site, lit by floodlights, became a crime scene where investigators, police, criminal investigation technicians and experts worked through the night until the following day. They managed to reconstruct almost the entire skeleton of the young girl and were also able to find her dress, her panties and one of her sandals, all severely degraded due to their long exposure to the elements. Five and a half months after her disappearance, Maelise's parents finally knew the location of their eight-year-old daughter. Six weeks later, on the 29th of March, he also confessed to the murder of Artanoia, who was also beaten to death. At this time, he adds to his account of the events surrounding Maelise's death and says that when he attacked Maelise, he had had a hallucination of Artanoia. No one was surprised by either of these confessions. Everyone had been convinced of his guilt since the end of 2017, once he was linked to the murder of Corporal Noya. The media had no longer been debating his guilt or innocence, but had instead begun to question how many other unsolved cases he had been involved in. The two confirmed murders have a similar M.O. Lelande invites the victim into his car, at some point, he becomes annoyed and beats them violently, causing their death, disables his cell phone, and then disposes of the corpses in a remote area. According to Lelande, both deaths were unintentional and there was no motive, but detectives believe otherwise. During their investigation, they had interviewed many of his previous partners. A female sexual partner of Lelande's had said that he was sexually aggressive and a male sexual partner had described role-playing scenarios they had partaken in, one of which involved him pretending to be kidnapped and placed in the trunk of Lelande's car. 
examination of his phone's history from 2016 to 2017 reveals that Lelonde spent the majority of his time on dating apps or texting with the intention of soliciting sexual partners. On the dates of both murders, his phone shows that he had been desperately seeking a partner to have sex with that night, but had been rejected and unsuccessful. Examination of his computer found that he was very active on porn sites, including uploading content to them. Detectives found that some of Lelonde's partners included in the videos he uploaded were aware that they had been filmed, others had been filmed without their permission or the footage uploaded without their consent. The sexual activities between consenting adults has no pertinence to the investigation, but detectives quickly discover that he had an interest in very young children. They managed to recover and restore images and videos of child pornography that had been downloaded and deleted in batches, and in his internet search history, they found frequent and regular visits to websites prized by paedophiles. On Saturday, the 26th of August, 2017, the day of the wedding where Mayalis would be taken, and on Sunday, the 27th of August, hours after having killed her and abandoning her body in the wilderness, Lelonde repeatedly visited child pornography websites. Deleted videos recorded on his phone were also uncovered, filmed in July 2017 and August 2017. The videos show Lelonde sexually assaulting his little cousins, aged five and six, while they slept. Lelonde eventually admitted that it was him in these videos, and that he had recorded them while he had been entrusted with babysitting the young children, but said that he was not a paedophile. He was merely incredibly drunk and high at the time, and either unaware of what he was doing, or had mistaken them for fully grown adults. Despite Lelonde's denial of a sexual motive for the murder, investigators believe otherwise. On the 3rd of May, 2021, the trial for the murder of Artenoia begins. Nordel Lelonde has already admitted to being responsible for his death, so the trial is to determine his level of culpability. Lelonde maintains that he picked up Noya, who was hitchhiking back to his barracks in the early morning hours, and that a fight had broken out between the two, resulting in him involuntarily beating the victim to death. Despite the testimony from previous sexual partners and the allegations from the prosecutor, Lelonde continues to deny having a sexual motive. Due to the advanced state of decomposition that Noya was found in, there was no way to confirm that any rape or sexual assault had occurred, but the fractures to his skeleton do conform to that of a fatal beating. It was also revealed that shortly after the murder, Lelonde had searched online about the stages of human decomposition and how to destroy remains. On the 11th of May, 2021, after eight days of trial, the Savoy Assisi court found Nordel Lelonde guilty of murder. He was sentenced to 20 years imprisonment with a two-thirds security sentence, which he did not appeal. Lelonde was remanded back into custody of the prison, where he would remain until the 31st of January 2022, when he would go on trial for the murder of eight-year-old Mayalise de Araujo.
as well as the sexual assault of his two cousins, aged five and six at the time. In the case of Maelise, it is also impossible to tell if sexual assault had occurred due to the advanced state of decomposition that she was found in and the prolonged exposure to the elements. Lelande retold his version of events from the night of the murder. He said that Maelise had asked him about his dogs after noticing the photo of the German shepherds that were on the lock screen of his phone. She had told him how much she loved animals and had asked him many questions about the dogs. He then said that at 2.45am, when he was leaving to go get more cocaine, she had come up to him in the car and asked if he was going home to see his dogs. He said yes, and apparently Maelise had asked to come with him to see the dogs and had said that her mother had said it was okay. He then invited the girl into the car. Along the way, she began to cry quietly and pleaded to be taken back. He continued to use his undiagnosed PTSD from murdering Artenoia to explain why this had caused him to lash out and beat the girl so violently that he fractured her face, broke her jaw, and ultimately ended her life. With his shorts covered in Maelise's blood, he continued home to change them and hide her body in the temporary place before returning to the venue. At the venue, he claims that he vomited from the realisation of what he had done instead of his initial explanation that he had had too much to drink. He then left the venue to move the body to the place that he would eventually lead investigators to almost six months later. Experts testified to the multiple cuts in Miley's dress from a sharp object that could not have been natural tears or caused while she was carried through the underbrush, as well as two locks of hair that had been cut close to the scalp using a knife or scissors. Unsurprisingly, Lelande denied having made the cuts to the dress or the locks of hair. Miley's injuries were detailed to the court and Lelande repeatedly denied that he had intentionally killed her, just as he had done since first admitting ending her life. That was until the 15th of February, 2022, four years and one day since he first confessed to her murder, when, while under questioning from the prosecutor about the beating, Lelande said, When I strike her, I intend to kill her. Yes. Last week Friday, on the 18th of February, 2022, the verdict was in. As a repeat offender, Nodel Lelonde was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 22 years, meaning that the earliest he could possibly be considered for parole, as long as no additional charges are brought against him, would be in 2053, by which time he would be approximately 70 years old. Lelande is being investigated as a possible suspect in approximately 15 other unsolved cases. After the verdict was announced, Maelise's mother made a statement to the media. In it she said, Maelise put a dangerous criminal in prison. Now he will never hurt anyone again. Maelise was described as having a mischievous smile and a rebellious wick. She had no interest in princesses or cotton candy pink. She loved life in the great outdoors, playing football or making ramps in the garden to launch her bicycle over. Above all else, she loved animals. 
she spent much of her time at home playing with and caring for the family's pets and would frequently go to the neighbor's farm to bottle feed the calves or milk the cows. She told her parents that she either wanted to be a firefighter or a farmer. They encouraged her and told her she could be both if she wanted. The world was her oyster. Miley's would have turned 13 on the 5th of November 2021. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. You can find European True Crime on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and Patreon. Links are available on our website listed in the episode description.